Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Sound Prince for the week of November 12, 2017. Some new products are now available in the ACB Mini Mall, just in time for the holidays. Some of them were introduced at the Reno Convention, while others have been added since that time. Here is a sampling. Our Silk Touch Polo Shirts are classy short sleeve shirts for men and women. They're great for work or casual wear. The man's shirt has a three-button front placket with dyed-to-match buttons, setting sleeves and self-fabric collar. The ladies' shirt has a self-fabric Johnny collar, which gives a neat, timeless look and gently contoured side seams for a flattering feminine touch. It gives a perfect silhouette. The shirts are made of snag-resistant, 100% polyester double-knit. Double-needle stitching on sleeves and hem give durability. Tagless label and moisture-wicking for comfort. Embroidered ACB logo is on the left chest. The shirts run slightly small. Order up one size for an easy fit. Colors include black, navy, royal, brilliant, blue, Carolina blue, teal, lime, maroon, red, pink raspberry, bright purple, sunny yellow, and white. They're available in sizes medium, large, and extra large for $29, 2XL, 3XL, and 4XL for $32. The new ACB fleece jacket is from Port Authority. It's made of soft 13.8 ounce 100% polyester fleece. The zip front and chin guard keep cold breezes out. Two roomy interior pockets. Large exterior side pockets zip vertically for a slimmer look. Open cuffs. Choices for colors are black, navy, red, gray, and skydiver blue for men or women. Pink blossom or hibiscus are also available for ladies only. The sizes are medium, large, and extra large for $42, 2XL and 3XL for $45. Just in at the Mini Mall is our new computer accessories bag. Organize all that small stuff with this amazing lightweight accessories storage bag. Plenty of interior pockets and elastic bands for flash drives, SD cards, cables, earbuds, and more. One mesh and one hidden zipper compartment can hold plugs and adapters, power bank or external hard drive, even cash and credit cards. Stylish water-resistant exterior, padded cotton-lined interior for added protection. It zips around three sides for easy access. Carry with a sturdy wrist strap or detach the strap and add a key ring, key ring not included. This will fit neatly into your laptop bag, backpack, briefcase, or drawer. It's about 7 by 10 inches, and it's black, and it's $22. Also just in is a padded USB drive case. This sturdy and lightweight, waterproof, and well-padded case is made of poly canvas, and it holds nine USB flash drives in individual slots. has a zip closure, a great way to keep those little flash drives Organized in your purse, backpack, or tote. 7 by 4 by 1 inch. Black, $18. 
For more information about items in the Mini Mall, or to request a Mini Mall catalog in Braille, large print, or on audio CD, give us a phone call at 877-630-7190 during regular business hours. Or you can visit our site online at acb.org and follow the Mini Mall link. You will not be able to request a catalog online. You will need to do that by telephone. We'll be bringing you more information on Mini Mall items in future Soundprints programs. Playing a game is a great way to take a break from a busy project, relax after a busy day, or spend hours competing against friends. Games on a computer or smartphone are also a good way to learn tech skills. When I began teaching technology over 30 years ago, I found out very quickly that people improved their keyboarding skills much faster when they played games rather than when they just tried to type practice exercises. They also remembered commands much more easily when playing games. The same is true on the iPhone. Many apps use the same gestures to accomplish all kinds of tasks, and it's much easier to learn those gestures and get more comfortable and proficient with your phone by playing games than by just practicing a boring process over and over again. There are literally thousands and thousands of games for the iPhone, but in comparison, only a handful are accessible to people who are blind or visually impaired who use voiceover. The blindfold games are developed by Marty Schultz and offer many different kinds of play for people with vision loss. But all of a sudden, Marty learned that Apple had a problem with continuing to offer his games in the App Store. Listen on page 2 to learn about the problem and how, with an outpouring of advocacy by those of us who enjoy the games, the blindfold games will now continue. We bring you four timely articles on page three. Users of the Firefox web browser need to be very careful about upgrading to the new edition of the software. Take the advice provided in the first article to keep Firefox working with your screen readers. Next comes a press release about the reintroduction of the Cogswell-Macy Act in the Senate. A brief review of tax reform proposals included in H.R. 1 and a call to action by ACB Director of Advocacy Tony Stevens and a look into the future as Disney experiments with a tactile representation of their fireworks shows to increase enjoyment by blind and visually impaired visitors to their theme parks. And on page 4 is the Sound Prince calendar. Page 2 on the phone with me is Marty Schultz. Marty is the developer of a series of wonderful games for the iPhone called the Blindfold Games that are marketed under the, the name of kid-friendly software. Marty's been a guest on Soundprints before, and we've talked about the games. We've demoed some of them. Marty, sometimes when you didn't know we were demoing them, when a new game would come out. And there's been a, there's been a couple of issues that Apple brought up in the last two or three weeks, and Marty's visiting with us to tell us about those issues and tell us about how they have been resolved. So welcome to Soundprints, Marty. Well, thank you for inviting me, and I'd love the opportunity to tell people what's kind of gone down over the past couple of weeks. Marty, first of all, let's tell 
our listeners in case there are some that don't know what blind friendly um, the the blindfold games are let let's let's explain them just briefly what what they are what they do how fun they sure. are sure about four years ago um, because I happened to be teaching a stem class um, on a volunteer basis for my daughter's uh, middle school we ended up I ended up starting off an app club and we built one app with the kids I'm not going to go into that story now but when I did the app club the second time the kids wanted to build a game and I was okay with helping them design a game that I would do the programming on, but I didn't want to hire a graphic artist because those people are very expensive. So I, so one of the kids came up with the idea of let's build a driving game for blind people where you steer with your by tilting the iPad or the iPhone right and left, and you listen in it. If the music gets louder in your left ear, that means you're too far to the left, or if it gets um, too loud in your right ear, it means you're driving the car too far to the right. And then you either aim for prizes in the middle of the road by listening, or you avoid animals in the middle of the road by driving around them. And that game, once we spent about six months or so building out the game and testing it at a couple of lighthouse for the blinds in the Miami area, jumped to the top of the Apple Viz uh, game list and was found by, by I think, 10,000 different people across the world. And it was a very successful game that was designed for visually impaired people. I then start hearing from a lot of these people saying, well, can you do this type of game or that type of game? Can you do blackjack? Can you do Sudoku? Can you do card games? Can you do puzzle games? So I thought, well, I, I have some time. It's kind of a hobby. I start building one game at a time. So first I built a blackjack game for somebody who had just gotten back to Las Vegas and was playing with her sighted partner and really wanted to experience that on her phone. Then I did a couple of card games, and then I did a couple of more puzzle games like Sudoku, and then I, and what I do next, I think I did some sports games. I did a bowling game where I worked with some people who were in the blind bowling league, and that was a very, very popular game. But pretty much over the last four years, I think we've published about 70 different games in, in either the category of casino games or card games or sports games like bowling and basketball and baseball or TV game show games like Wheel of Fortune or Jeopardy or Family Feud. Um card games like solitaire or rummy or spades just the list kind of goes on and on and then of course there's the barnyard ah oh yeah got all the action <laughs> games i did bar- yeah. barnyard and pinball and yeah. hopper and yeah, it's just i mean i it's hard for me to remember the games at this point the barnyard is too much fun marty it's just well, thank you. crazy the, the phone mooing and oinking and <laughs> And the, I did that game because I was watching yeah. my daughter play another game called Goat Evolution. Yeah. When you find two different goats on the screen, you merge them together by pinching, and that creates a larger goat. And you ha- then you have to only merge the larger goat with an equal goat of equal size. Yeah. And I prototyped that game, and then I realized finding and pitching on the phone is not always as reliable um, as you would like it to be. When you're playing a visual version of that, you quickly adjust for that. But when you're playing an audio version of that, the phone is just not sensitive to pick up all the different gestures at the same right. time. Like, right. um, so I came up with the idea of barnyard, and that just took off. Yeah. And I think uh, I added a pond to the barnyard. Now I have rotating fences, so it can be a, a complex game. Yes, and another one that's the recent one that's fun is uh, the um, blindfold version of Bop It. Oh, oh, oh! Well, that game actually has a history to, of its own. 
Um, I was going to look at Bop it a while ago, and then people told me, no, there's already a great game out there called Zany Time. I said, okay, that's, I'm glad people like their game. Okay, so I happened to be out at the Braille Institute in uh, California, and he, the guy I met there mentioned he had a problem in helping seniors who are starting to lose their vision who still don't understand the technology. And he said, can you take create a game that helps these people start learning the gestures but make it still be fun? So I studied Zany Touch and a few other procs out there, and I realized I could do something much simpler to help these seniors uh, learn the gestures at the same time as making a very challenging game for people who are very proficient on the phone. So that turned, first it came out as Blindfold Bop, and then I eventually changed the name to Blindfold uh, Bop Gesture Tool or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's been an amazingly popular game, and it's also started to be used for some of the senior, senior citizen centers around the country to, to, for the original purpose of training. Right. So. We have um, we've begun some low vision support groups, and um, I plan to use that with some of the people who are trying to adjust to using a phone and sometimes you know those kinds of things are great for people who have not used a smartphone before but who for whom a smartphone really is important because of all of the other things it can do before you move on there's a okay. feature i want to just point out to you in that game where a teacher of the visually impaired, he's actually one of my blind testers, mm -hmm. said, can you make the menu system even easier for people who don't even get the idea of double double tapping? Yes. So you can put that into a very simple menu mode, too. Okay. All right. We'll have to give that a try. I'll explore that. that that'll be good, because sometimes I do have trouble with the double tapping and so on, and even people who have used the phone for quite some time can have trouble in various uh, sort of isolated situations. Marty, tell us what happened with Apple a couple of weeks okay. ago. Okay. So about two or three weeks ago, I've been going through all my apps and upgrading them to any of the changes I had to do for iOS 11. And there were a bunch of changes on this time around for the new iOS. And three of the apps were rejected about two weeks ago because Apple said that the apps were too similar. And there's a new rule for app developers to follow that if you get most of your content of your app from the web and the container of the app itself is similar across three or four different apps, then you should merge those different apps into one app and just get and have a main menu that lets you pick between those. So I responded to the uh, message from Apple and I said, no, all these apps, and the three apps were blindfold horse racing. Walk your fingers on the screen to race your horse. Blindfold hopper, which is a of the old arcade game Hopper, um, Hopper, yeah, Frogger, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. and finally um, Blindfold Craps, which is like the casino dice game. And I said, these are all different games. They don't get their content from the web, um, and people play them differently. And they write back and they say, no, they're the same. I write back and say, please read the user guide. Please play the games, and you'll <laughs> see they're really different. And they said, well, we'll have somebody contact you in three to five days. About a week and a half later, I get a contact from this fellow, Adam, at Apple, and he says, well, they, they do appear to be different, but you have so many games out there. I think there are about 70 or 80 games that I've published under Blindfold Games brand. He said, "Can you? we want you to merge all your games into just a handful of games and then have people select which game they want. And I said, well, that's difficult for a number of reasons. From a business point of view, 
most of my games end up uh, having most of its downloads and revenue in the first three to four months, and then after that, people really never touch the game again. Secondly, this would take me hundreds, if not thousands of hours to merge the game, and what you're telling me is I have to put all that time into doing something that's not going to benefit anyone, not my game fans and not me. Secondly, there are a lot of people who have discovery issues in that when you put a game out there, they won't scroll down in the menu to look what else is in there. They'll only focus on what's on the menu on the main screen. And if I follow that, maybe not the advanced users, but there's a lot of visually impaired users who would be very frustrated with that, and they'd never discover the other games out there. Exactly. And there's a number of other issues beyond that, but those were the main issues I pointed out to him. And he said, well... This is our rule. I said, well, let me understand what you're telling me. If I don't commit to coming out with just a handful of apps, you're telling me that I can't produce any new games. Can I keep the old games there? Said, yes, you can keep them. I said, can I update those games as required by fixing bugs, new versions of iOS? He said, no, we will not approve any of your updates. <laughs> I said, okay. So I repeated exactly what he said to me. I said, okay, I'm going to put this out there and let my game community know about this, but you might get some pushback. He said, well, you know, you do what you have to do. So the following day, I, kind of, I put the announcement out on my blog, and I notified a number of different organizations like the ACB and tweeted it out. And what was amazing at that point, just what happened at that point just blew me away because I think I had thousands of readers on my blog. I had hundreds of people sending emails off to Apple. I heard from a bunch of podcasters who just thought this was ridiculously absurd, and they got all their readers. It's just, it's like the whole thing blew up, and, and I just saw such an outpouring of support from the community. I was just amazed that, that people really value the games. Um, <laughs> As if really you honest. had to wonder, you know. <laughs> now really, you know. <laughs> right. Sometimes I'll get, you know, some people writing me a nasty email saying, mm-hmm. your games are too expensive. I'm thinking, I, I do this as a hobby. I don't even make money any real money on this thing and the game sell for about three dollars now i understand a lot of people on fixed income but you know it's it's i can't do this stuff for free because there are marketing costs and the, the, well, rev, the money i get from the games barely covers the marketing so, right but the, but the but the other side of that is um it's you're not charging for the initial download of the app i go in and i download the game i can download it for free i can try it out for free play a limited number of plays I think sometimes it's 10 or 20 and see if I like it and then I can go and do my in-app purchase Um, and I usually instead of purchasing just a a little bit I'll usually just go on well if Marty's got unlimited play here I'll just go buy it and then whenever I come back to it I know it's there I don't have to think about it anymore and I figure that's a small if I'm going to pay $5 $5 for that unlimited play or even, even some of them even are maybe nine ninety nine or something like that. That to me, if that's provided me with a number of hours of, of play and I really like that game, that's pretty cheap entertainment. And um, I really like that, was... that, that one that's um, the one that it, it has the cards in your driving along. I've forgotten what it's now called. It used to be travel card. But, um, yeah, it's, it's travel cards. I, mean, yeah. I did a version for sailboats, and then somebody said, can you do a version, I think, for trains, and I did that one, too. <laughs> right. I mean, the fun well, part about creating you know, these games, yeah. searching the Internet for really cool sounds. Right, right. And you, and you just, and, and so, you know, I'll, I'll play that a while, and then I stop playing, and then a couple months later I'll go back and play it again, and it's always there, and I don't have to worry about 
do I have enough coins? Can I start my game? You know, that I've, I've played that for many hours. So I've probably got my cost per hour down to about 10 cents. Not bad. <laughs> you know? Yeah, what, I, what I've tried to do with the games, understanding that a lot of people on fixed income is, one, when you download the game, you get about a, at least an hour of play out of the game to really decide if it's worth the investment. Mm -hmm. Then I'll try to have like a $1 upgrade of a bunch more games to give you many more hours of play mm -hmm. and then always an unlimited version because th i just thought it's not fair to keep charging people and one of the things i never liked about any of the commercial blackjack or poker games mm -hmm. is people get addicted to these things and suddenly they're spending money on chips to, pl to play a virtual betting game that they can't even win real money i said this is what i'll do is in any game i'll give you unlimited or unlimited play so people can keep playing this thing forever. Right, right. Okay, so so Apple has decided at this point in our story, in this saga, that you can't you can't post any new games and you can't update any existing games. And then people start writing, calling, um, posting the copies of, of your your email up on different lists. I know I personally forwarded it to several lists, including ACBL and leadership, and um, made a couple of phone calls and said, to people and said, hey, can you help? And so, and others were doing the same thing. So what happened? Well, then um, I happened to be coming to uh, New York City for the weekend or with my family, and there I am waiting for my bags to get off the plane, and I get a call from Apple again. And it's the same Adam guy that I talked to with him. And early, actually, I think two days before that, I talked to somebody who worked on the Apple Review Desk. And I think she had been getting some of the emails coming over from <laughs> accessibility at apple.com. Okay. She called me up. We had talked. I had talked with this woman uh, for about 45 minutes, and I kind of explained where I was coming from, explained the needs of the community. And since she was familiar with accessibility issues, she understood a lot, and she said, go – go in for a formal review, you know, talk about the conversation you had, talk about what you're willing to do, talk about why the, their ideas are bad, and maybe, you know, we can get, get this thing moving. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know if that would go anywhere, but I followed her recommendation. I even collected a lot of the emails that people had sent to me, which were copies of what they had forwarded to Apple, mm -hmm. and assembled into about a 20-page document <laughs> with, with a paragraph from each person. And okay. some of these stories were really... <laughs> really sweet and real i really appreciate what they said mm -hmm. and then i get a like i said i get a call from adam at the airport and he says marty you know my team and i have been looking through the games and we kind of put you in a category that we thought what we were we didn't understand what you were doing well enough we understand the needs of the visually impaired community is different than the community at large in terms of how the apps should be laid out and what you have to attend to, like making sure all the menus are the same so people don't have to go through a learning curve over again and issues like that. And, and Adam and I had a great conversation for about a half hour uh, while my family was looking at me over from the corner saying, when are we going to get out of this airport? <laughs> right. So, and they knew it was an important call. I didn't tell them who it was, but they could see I was just pacing back and forth talking and maintaining the conversation. And, and Adam and I had a great call, and I, I explained to him, look, Adam, it doesn't make sense for me to go back to any of these other games because they're all kind of history. But what I will commit to is if I think a game can be merged with some other games going forward and it doesn't introduce any discovery issues, I'll, I'll ask my group of testers what their opinion is. How should this be packaged up? Should it be merged or should it be standalone? 
And I don't think as a sighted individual I can make this decision for them, so I'm going to go with their guidance, and that's the best I can do for this community. And he said, Marty, I understand. That's a wise decision. Just keep me in the loop as you do these. And I said, okay. Wow. And you know, So we're going to get more games. Oh, yeah. I have actually three <laughs> games queued to come out. I just released slide, um, what's called Slide Puzzle like a few days ago, and I'll be formally announcing it soon. It's like the old game of the numbers one through 15 oh, in a 4 by 4 and a bunch of the testers have been asking me to do that game for a while, so I finally did it, okay? Mm-hmm. And it's not a, you know, it's, it's really an expensive game, but I just had to get it out of the way because they asked me to do it. And I'm sure. sure they'll be there into that game coming out when people come up with ideas. The game that probably going to, co- the two games I think that'll have a lot of appeal out there, I'll tell you, that the first game, everyone's asking me to do Word Cookie, and if you know any site people who play that, it's a met, you, it has like, anywhere from three to ten letters on the screen, and you, draw, and you draw your finger between the letters to form a word. You have to come up with somewhere between 20 and 40 words mm. from a set of letters. Like if there's letters A-C-T, you could form the word cat or act or tact, T-A-C-T, so you can reuse the letters over and over again. Oh, I see. And that's, this game is very, very popular in the sighted world. It's always at the top of the list. So I did that game. Then... The other game, actually, my business partner from some prior software ventures did. He said, Marty, why didn't you do the game Name That Tune? Mm-hmm. And because this just lends itself to be an audio game. And I was thinking, okay, so what I need to do is find a source of short 30-second music um, uh, pieces. And then I would play that piece, and then somebody would have to guess what the tune was. Mm-hmm. And I started... Um, I found out that the iTunes store actually has those 30-second segments of everything in the iTunes library. Yes. And I think some people told me a game like <laughs> that was made about three or four years ago, and I looked at that game, and it was okay. It was mildly accessible, but not great. Mm-hmm. Then I started looking at all the billboard lists of the last you know, 60 years, 70 years. Right. So I came out with different packs of like music of the 40s, music of the 60s, music of the mm-hmm. 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, gospel, rock and roll, blues, classical, composers. Oh. So there's like cool. slews of packs, and the way the game works is you hear a segment. First it tells you, um, here are the songs you might be hearing, and, and as the game gets more complex, you have more choices. So it would be anywhere from two to four choices. Mm-hmm. And then it says, here are the songs of the artists that might be. Then you listen to the, to the song, and as soon as you can recognize it, you pick your option, and the faster you get it, the more points you get. Mm-hmm. And this has just been an amazing hit amongst the testers, so I'm really looking forward to releasing it. Oh, sounds like fun. Can't yeah. wait. So that's a little so, different twist um, on on the game uh, in that, you know, having having the um, samples to, to pick from and things. So that should be fun. I'll look forward to yeah. that. And also having the different genres of music in the game will be really nice because a lot of times yeah. when you have a game like that it's all basically all from the rock world um and so it doesn't include you know blues or gospel or whatever so that will be good well yeah, marty have, uh, this is okay. an amazing story and it certainly is an example of of how just just advocacy can can work sometimes people say well there's no point in my saying anything because nobody's going to listen anyway and it is obvious that with a collective feedback in very in in different ways 
um, that it has had an impact and it has made a change and now we are back to being able to have games so i think the lesson that i came away with is when when a community any community mm -hmm. is motivated to achieve a certain goal if everyone works together you can get that goal mm -hmm. you because a lot of times the person you're trying to convince to do something hasn't looked into the problem so you're not asking them to change their mind you're asking them to look at it from a different perspective Right. And to think about the other perspectives there. And when they do that, they can reach not the right decision, but the sensible decision. Right, right. So, and, and, and one that is not just based on what happens to be written on a piece of paper uh, or what might fit into the existing box and just based on appearances. So, well, this is a, certainly a positive outcome. I was very pleased last night when I received your email. I guess it was, what, around 10 o'clock? Um, saying that, that this had changed. And uh, I happened to be at our chapter activity last night at our Greater Louisville Council of Blind Roundabout, and I had shared with them this problem earlier in the evening. And so when I um, happened to check my email uh, after the activity was just about over, and I said, oh, here's an email from Marty Schultz. And I read it, and I shared it with people there and they were oh wow that you know it was really good to be able to to you know to to get that changed and, and get it changed pretty quickly that that was that was that was a pretty pretty fast turnaround for the for the I, I corporate think I world i have to honestly give credit to apple because you know it was the fact that apple didn't get a chance to really look at the issue and the fact right. that the community spoke up to say hey mm -hmm. take a look at this I, I, and apple makes some great products and they mm -hmm. they accessibility is strong in their list but sometimes they need guidance right exactly well thank you so much we really appreciate you taking the time this morning this is saturday morning for those of you listening out there we're recording this around actually almost noon on saturday and uh we appreciate you being with us on sound prints and look forward to lots more blindfold games okay well thanks a lot for inviting me APH's Draftsman Tactile Drawing Board lets you create instant raised line drawings using the included special film with a ballpoint pen or stylus. Produce maps for improving orientation and mobility skills. Practice handwriting, demonstrate math, science, or geography concepts, even make your own art. For Draftsman, call the American Printing House for the Blind toll-free, 800-223-1839, or visit shop.aph.org. APH offers a growing collection of accessible mobile apps, and some are free. These apps feature content such as mathematics practice, braille practice, enhanced navigation, and fun stickers for messages. Some apps are designed for iOS, while others are compatible with Android. Learn more about mobile apps from the American Printing House for the Blind at www.aph.org slash products slash mobile hyphen apps. Page 3. The following information was posted on the ACB leadership list on November 8 and includes important information concerning the Mozilla Firefox browser. The American Council of the Blind, Information Access Committee, VFO, and NV Access would like to call your attention to the latest update of the Mozilla Firefox web browser, Firefox 57. Because the update is a total rework of the popular browser, now to be called Firefox Quantum, Q-U-O-N-T-U-M, the leading screen readers will not work well with the update. 
All parties recommend that Firefox users who use a screen reader upgrade to Firefox Extended Service Release, ESR, to incorporate the latest security patches without negatively affecting the screen reader user experience. You can download Firefox ESR and read statements issued by VFO and NV Access concerning the new Firefox Quantum. To make sure Firefox doesn't update automatically, do the following. 1. In Firefox, hit Alt plus T to go to the Tools menu, then press O to bring up the Options menu. 2. Tab until you hear Install Updates Automatically, recommended, radio button checked. 3. Down arrow once to check for updates, but let me decide to install them. 4. Press Control plus Tab to close the window and save changes. Now, rest assured that the ACB Information Access Committee is keeping track of these kinds of issues and will alert you about them as they arise. You can read this announcement on the ACB website by going to acb.org slash Firefox F-I-R-E-F-O-X Dash alert A L E R T The following press release was posted on November eight on ACB Leadership and is entitled Senators Markey and Capito Introduce Legislation to Improve Educational Opportunities for Visual and Hearing Impaired Students. For immediate release, contact Giselle G-I-S-E-L-L-E, Barry, B-A-R-R-E-Y, from Senator Markey's office at 202-224-2742, and Ashley Barang, B-E-R-R-A-N-G, from Senator Capito's office at 202-224-6147. Senators Markey and Capito introduced legislation to improve educational opportunities for visual and hearing-impaired students. Washington, November 7, 2017. Senator Edward J. Markey, Democrat from Massachusetts, and Senator Shelley Moore Capito, Republican of West Virginia, today introduced bipartisan legislation that would strengthen the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act idea to ensure that visual and hearing impaired students receive the best possible education. The Alice Cogswell and Ann Sullivan Macy Act will improve the effectiveness and personalization of education and services for students who are deaf, hard of hearing, blind, visually impaired, and deafblind. The legislation would improve reporting and evaluation measures of special education in each state, increase training for teachers and other special education professionals, and reaffirm the Department of Education's mission and responsibility to ensure an accessible and quality education for all students. This bill is named after Alice Cogswell, the first deaf student to be formally educated in the United States, and Ann Sullivan Macy, Helen Keller's famous teacher. Congressman Matt Cartwright, Pennsylvania District 17, and Congressman David McKinley, West Virginia District No. 1, introduced the companion legislation in the House of Representatives earlier this year. 
More than 100 years after Ann Sullivan Macy worked with Helen Keller at Massachusetts Perkins School, we are coming together to ensure that students in the 21st century receive the best education, said Senator Markey. I am happy to introduce this legislation with Senator Capito to help deaf, blind, and deaf-blind students across the country by improving access to quality education and offering them the chance to work with effective educators and trained professionals. Every student should have the opportunity to maximize their God-given abilities, and our bill will help thousands of students do just that. It is essential students in West Virginia and across the nation who are deaf, hard of hearing, or have vision loss receive the specialized services they need to reach their fullest potential, said Senator Capito. The Cogswell-Macy Act would help ensure the educational needs of these students are better met. Specifically, the Cogswell-Macy Act would require states to identify and evaluate children who are visually and hearing impaired so that appropriate services can be delivered to each student and report instances when they fall short. Help parents and educators stay informed and up-to-date through written policy guidance released regularly from the Department of Education. Encourage states to plan for and commit to specialized instruction for all deaf, hard of hearing, blind, visually impaired, and deaf-blind students provided by trained personnel. Establish the Ann Sullivan Macy Center of Vision Loss and Educational Excellence within the Department of Education to function as a national resource to better support students with visual disabilities. Since 1975, the law has worked wonders in terms of ensuring the right of every student with a disability to be included in our public education system, said Mark Reichert, Policy Director for the American Foundation for the Blind. But what we've never done is to make sure that students, particularly kiddos who are blind, visually impaired, deaf, hard of hearing, or deaf-blind, get what they need once they get in the schoolhouse door. With Senate introduction of the Cogswell-Macy Act, we're signaling to everyone that we're not prepared to wait for the needs of another generation of students with sensory disabilities to be ignored before we work with our amazing champions on the Hill to change things. This bill acknowledges and supports the various ways that deaf and hard-of-hearing children learn. There is no one-size-fits-all under IDEA, and the Cogswell-Macy Act will provide guidance to states as to how to tailor individualized education to these students, particularly in the areas of language and communication, said Sandra Edwards, president of the Conference of Educational Administrators of Schools and Programs for the Deaf, CEASD, and superintendent of the Mississippi School for the Deaf. We are thrilled that the Cogswell-Macy Act will be introduced in the Senate, and thanks Senator Markey for his leadership and passion, said Dave Power, President and CEO of Perkins School for the Blind. Perkins has been a fierce advocate in ensuring that blind, visually impaired, and deaf-blind students have access to the highest quality services 
here in Massachusetts and nationally. Their ability to fulfill their unique potential requires the strongest possible idea and our ongoing commitment to seeing its execution. When it comes to the law of the land, the Cogswell-Macy Act will empower students who are deafblind to succeed in the 21st century American classroom, said Massey Jeber, G-E-B-R-E, President of Deafblind Citizens in Action, DBCA. As deafblind people speaking for ourselves, we in DBCA know from personal experience how providing interveners, qualified teachers, and the whole range of instructional services and supports today will make it possible tomorrow for society to fully benefit from the brain power and drive that our community has to offer. The following was posted by Tony Stevens on the ACB leadership on November 7 and concerns the new HR1 tax bill introduced in Congress. We hoped to have an interview with Tony on Soundprints, but were unable to schedule the interview. Here is the article. Greeting ACB leaders. As many of you may know, the House of Representatives introduced several days ago its tax overhaul plan, introduced as an amendment in the nature of a substitute to H.R. 1, referred to as the Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017. This legislative proposal is the largest tax reform bill since 1986 and will make significant reform to our country's tax code. There exist many key items of interest for both Americans who are blind and for nonprofit organizations. Two items targeted for repeal that are of particular concern include the standard blind deduction and medical expense deductions. These two tax deductions have been historically useful for reducing an individual's or married couple's tax burden. These two deductions are among many deductions being phased out. It is important that affiliate leaders reach out to their members of Congress to express deep concerns over any legislative proposal that would increase the tax burden of any vulnerable population, drawing attention to these two important tax provisions that reduce the amount of taxable income for many Americans who are blind. Find out your Member of Congress contact information by visiting www.house.gov or you can also call the Capitol Switchboard at 202-224-3121. Switchboard operators can determine your appropriate Member of Congress and connect you to their office. CNBC has an easy-to-digest breakdown on the overall impact of the legislation at www.cnbc.com slash 2017 slash AA slash JC slash the dash good dash the dash bad dash and dash the dash money dash what dash the dash GOP dash tax dash plan dash means dash Other items of concern include traditional tax incentives for charitable giving to nonprofits like the estate tax 
and incentives for employers to make their workplaces more accessible, as with the Work Opportunity Tax Credit. Both of these items are also listed among those being repealed. The Senate is expected to introduce their tax proposal later this week. Stay tuned for more information as we gather additional insight and analysis into the impact this legislation will have. Congress hopes to move on these measures before the Thanksgiving recess. Feel free to reach out with any questions, and thanks for your ongoing advocacy on this issue. This article was posted by Kelly Gask on the ACB Leadership List on October 26th. It's entitled, Disney Could Help Guests Feel Fireworks. Scott Greenblatt lost his vision after a car accident in 1993. He was just a teenager. Now, at the age of 41, the news of Disney's newest research project could help him relive some of his favorite childhood memories. I remember gigantic displays, he said, recalling his trips to see fireworks at Walt Disney World in Orlando as a child. I went from everything to nothing after the accident. The fireworks displays are some of the most memorable and recognizable moments for visitors to the iconic theme park. Visitors who are visually impaired may not get to feel the full breadth of the experience they soon could get a better feel for what the light show is all about. Disney is developing technology that is multi-sensory and could help visually impaired people to feel the rhythm of fireworks. According to the Disney Research Lab report, tactile effects are created using directable water jets that spray onto the rear of a flexible screen, with different nozzles for different firework effects. This would at least give them a tactile way to explore and find out what is going on, said Tampa Lighthouse for the Blind's Chelsea Bridges. At this point in my life, it would definitely help me relive those moments and help me recapture those exciting times that I've been able to share with my kids, said Gary Watson, who is gradually losing his vision due to complications with diabetes. A YouTube video shows what Disney's hope is for feeling fireworks plan. There is no timetable for when this technology could arrive in Disney theme parks. It is in the developmental stage now. Page 4 the Sound Prince Calendar. On November 14, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, Savvy, will have its next meeting from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. For more information, contact Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418. The speaker for this program is from Vanda Pharmaceuticals, and they will be discussing non-24-hour sleep disorder. November 17 and 18 is the Kentucky Council of the Blind State Conference and Convention. Hit a home run with KCB. Participate in workshops, programs, exhibits, food, and make good friends. Sponsored by the Kentucky Council of the Blind at the Ramada Inn North in Louisville, 1041 Zorn Avenue. Room rates are $80 per night plus tax for up to four people in a room. 
Make reservations by calling 502-897-5101. For more information, call KCB at 502-895-4598. On November 19, the Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni Association Board will meet at 8 p.m. by phone at 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. On November 20, the KCB board meeting will be held at 7.30 p.m. on the same conference line, 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. On November 22, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will have a Thanksgiving gathering from noon to 2 p.m. at the BCB office, 1093 South Broadway in Lexington. Call 859-259-1834 for more information. On November 25 is Families Day Open House at the American Printing House for the Blind, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Visitors can write their names in Braille, see a book from Helen Keller's Bible, play games, and read books designed for children who are blind, and enjoy many other activities in the award-winning museum. See Denver the Guide Dog, a Discovery Channel video about how a puppy becomes a dog guide and is matched with a new owner. Holiday goodies and hot cider will be served for all ages. For more information, call the museum at 502-899-2213. On November 26, ACB Families will have its peer support group meeting for the month on the conference line at 712-432-3900, enter code 796096. The time is 9 p.m. Eastern Time. On November 27, Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana have their November conference call at 7 p.m. by phone. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. On December 1, there will not be a roundabout. No roundabout on December 1. December 2 is the Holiday Card Ornament Factory from 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m., Visit the Museum at the American Printing House for the Blind to learn how people who are blind and visually impaired see with their fingertips. Then craft your own tactile ornament to decorate your home for the holidays. Make unique holiday cards as well. Free, but space is limited. Best for adults and children ages 6 and up. Registration is required. Call the APH Museum at 502-899-2213 to register. Also on December 2 is Christmas with the Council. Doors open at 4 p.m. and activities begin at 4.30 at United Crescent Hill Ministries, 150 South State Street in Louisville. KCB chapters participating in the Christmas party will provide an evening of fun, food, and good friends. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will provide the food. KCB Next Generation will handle the game. Tri-State Library users is in charge of the Christmas story. Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana will be handling the music and the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision is in charge of the children's activities. Plan to attend. There will be a bargain table, Santa will be making a visit, and there will be a home-cooked Christmas dinner. 
$5 per person. Call 502-895-4598 to sign up. Be sure to let us know who will be attending with you. Your family and friends are welcome to attend. The evening winds up at 9 p.m. On December 3 is the 6th Annual ACB Radio Holiday Auction, beginning at 7 p.m. Eastern Time until all items are sold. The auction will be live-streamed on five ACB Radio channels and on ACB Radio's Audio Now telephone service. You can listen on your computer through the ACB Link iPhone app, on TuneIn, or on your telephone. It's an opportunity to bid on items including food, jewelry, technology, and much more. Visit www.acb.org and follow the link to see our auction preview page available by November 20. The auction benefits ACB Radio. On December 5, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have its next conference call meeting at 8 p.m. on the conference line. Great for those who are just beginning to experience vision loss or for those who have had vision loss for several years. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. December 6 is the next meeting of the KCB PR Membership Committee meeting on the same conference line at 8 p.m. 605-475-6006 enter code 294444. December 7 is the Bluegrass Council of the Blind Christmas Party from noon until 3 p.m. at the BCB office in Lexington. Don't forget to bring a dirty Santa gift. The BCB office is at 1093 South Broadway in Lexington. RSVP at least two days in advance by calling 859-259-1834. On December 7, the American Council of Blind Lions will have its December Conference Call. This is a monthly meeting for blind lions from around the country. It's an opportunity for us to share ideas and ways to be involved in our local clubs. Our special speaker on the December call will be Katie Howe, who is a lion in Illinois and who attended the 100th anniversary celebration of LCI. The call is at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. The dial-in number is 712-432-3900 and the code is 796096. December 8 will be the GLCB Roundabout. There will be education and technology activities from 3.30 to 5. An opportunity to cut it up from 5 until 6. Lessons in cutting, all types of different materials. Dinner from 6 to 7, $5 per person, and bingo beginning at 7 p.m., $2 per person. You're also invited to play cards, if you'd like, beginning at 7 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries on State Street in Louisville. Sign up by calling 502-895-4598. On December 9, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have its board meeting for the month at 11 a.m., by conference call at 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. December 10 is the KCB Next Generation meeting at 8 p.m., also on the same conference line. December 12 
is the Savvy Christmas Party in Owensboro from noon to 2.30 p.m. Join Savvy for dinner, Dirty Santa gift exchange, $10 limit on the gifts, and more at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church in Owensboro. For more information, call Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418. On December 12th, there will be a presentation on the ORCAM at the Bluegrass Council of the Blind in Lexington from 1 to 2 p.m. at the BCB office, 1093 South Broadway. RSVP at least two days in advance at 859-259-1834. December 14 is the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision Support Group meeting from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. in Louisville at United Crescent Hill Ministries. For more information and to register, call 502-895-4598. December 15 is the GLCB Roundabout, 3.30 to 5, Education and Technology, 5 to 6, Discussion, 6 to 7, Dinner, $5 per person, and after dinner, there will be holiday music. To sign up, call 502-895-4598. On December 17 is the Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni Board Meeting, at 8 p.m. and December 18, the KCB monthly board meeting at 7.30 p.m., both on the conference line at 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. On December 22 and December 29, GLCB invites you to share the holidays with friends at our very informal roundabouts. We'll be there beginning at 3.30, and you can just drop in and share some holiday fun with everyone. We'll be answering your iPhone questions if you have them. We'll also have dinner at 6 p.m., and you can play games, share craft ideas, and just visit with friends. Give us a call to let us know if you'll be attending. 502-895-4598. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Soundprints. Have a great week, everybody.